You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. is elevated in your life, when God becomes a priority, and people see that God is a priority, and you're not playing games, you're not trying to connive here, or do this and do that. When you're above board with people in business and things, God honors that. He honors that, and things go your way, because it's God's way. It's God's way. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways, and what? He will direct your paths. He directs them, and He guides you. In the world, we've come to a point where just about anything goes. Whatever it takes to get you to the top is fine, as long as you can get away with it. In today's message, Pastor Dave encourages us to honor God in all that we do. When you honor God in your family, in your business, and in your friendships, He'll honor you. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ezra chapter 5. As he continues his message, God's work continues unto completion. you know what the name Zechariah means? The Lord remembers. That's what Zechariah means. It's a fitting name for the prophet of restoration. He's called to encourage and mobilize God's people to accomplish the task that they started. So many times we start something for the Lord and we fall by the wayside because we get sidetracked. We need others to come and help us. We need others to come alongside us and encourage us and help us to move forward in the Lord. But Zechariah encouraged him indirectly by telling them about God's care for them and keeping the presence of the Messiah in their minds. If you read through Zechariah, he talks about Jesus' second coming, the Messiah's second coming, and he talks greatly about that. So he put that in front of the Jews' minds. The Messiah is coming. So they worked harder and harder. And they worked alongside them. Zechariah and Haggai worked along with them, and they did the things. If all we had was Haggai... We might conclude that God was really interested in the temple. God wasn't really interested in the temple, so to speak. What was God interested in? He was interested in their hearts. He was interested in them. He was interested in their lives. God is interested in your life. God is interested in everything you do. He is always interested in you. You read through the Psalms that his thoughts towards you are more than the sand of the sea. And all the thoughts that he has are you are good and pure. So he can bring you into a future hope. God always thinks of you in those terms. He's not up there with a huge wooden spoon waiting to whack you upside the head when you mess up. The only person that's surprised when you mess up is you. God's not surprised. He knows we're going to flub up. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. That's why we have a Savior. That's why we have a Savior. But these prophets were helping them, even helping them work, even getting their hands dirty, even getting their hands dirty. But we have that old adversary, Satan himself, who wants to come up and thwart the plan of God. And here we go again. Let's go back to Ezra and look at verses 3 to 5. 
At the same time, Tatnai, the governor of the region beyond the river, and Shethar Bonzai and their companions came to them, the Jews, and spoke thus to them, Who has commanded you to build this temple and finish this wall? Then accordingly, we told them the names of the men who were constructing this building. They held nothing back. They didn't hold anything back. They said, yeah, we're doing it. And Zerubbabel's in charge. And Josiah, Joshua's in charge. And all these guys are doing it. But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews so that they could not make them cease till a report could go to Darius. Then written answer was returned concerning this matter. In other words, they weren't about to stop until they got word back from Darius. They were going to continue to work. You want us to stop? You go ahead and write that letter. When we get the letter back that says stop, we might stop. But we're doing something of God. That reminds me of something. When Peter and the gang were pulled before the Sanhedrin for healing the man at the gate beautiful, they were told to stop teaching in the name of Jesus. And they said, if it, you choose whether we should do the things of God or the things of men, you choose. But as for us, we're going to do the things we've been called to do by God. Think about that. The adversary rose up, and these men came by. It was a softer approach. It wasn't as harsh as the first time. One commentator said that it seemed to come from a sense of duty or custom. And I love this verse. The eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, so they could not make them cease. I love that. God was with them. God was working in their hearts. They couldn't cease if they wanted to, just like the apostles. I can't shut up about the gospel. I got to preach the gospel. What did Paul say? Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel of God. Maybe you feel that way. You haven't been born again. Maybe you feel that way. I have to tell people about Jesus. I got to tell them that there's freedom from sin, freedom from bondage. Eternal life, all through Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel that way. So we're going to read the letter and finish out chapter 5. This is a copy of the letter that Tat and I sent. The governor of the region beyond the river and Shethar, Banzai, and his companions, the Persians who were in the region beyond the river to King Darius the king. They sent him a letter in which was written thus, To Darius the king, all peace. Let it be known to the king that we went into the providence of Judea to the temple of the great God, I love that. They call him the great God. They don't even serve him, but they know he's the great God, which is being built with heavy stones and timber is being laid in the walls. See, why did they underline heavy stones? Why did they say something about heavy stones? Because they want Darius to believe that the Jews were building a fortress, not building a temple to worship God. They were building a fortress. They were building some sort of a stronghold fortress. And this work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked those elders and spoke to them thus, who commanded you to build this temple and to finish these walls? We also asked them their names to inform you that we might write the names of the men who were chief among them. And thus they returned us an answer saying, we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. And we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and completed. Who was that? Solomon. Right, they're talking about Solomon's temple that was destroyed when Nebuchadnezzar came in and carried them away. But because our fathers provoked the God of heaven to wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this temple and carried away people to Babylon. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to build the house of God. Also, the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple that was in Jerusalem and carried into the temple of Babylon, those King Cyrus took from the temple of Babylon and were given to the one named Shezbazar, whom he made governor. 
And he said to him, take these articles, go carry them to the temple site that this is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be rebuilt on its former site. Then the name, then the same Shasbazar came and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. But from that time until even now, it has been under construction and it is not finished. Now, therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon, whether it is so that a decree is issued by King Cyrus to build a house of God at Jerusalem and let the king send us his pleasure concerning this matter. So they wanted to make a diligent search. This was an honest request. This was an honest request by the guy who was put in charge. He didn't want King Darius to find out that this was being built under his watch without his permission. So this was a good thing. This was really a good thing. And it was, look at that. They did find a scroll as we get into chapter 6. So we're going to find out. He told the truth. He gave them the names. He did everything he was supposed to do. What am I trying to say? When we deal with people who are outside the Christian group, we need to be above board. We need to be honest. We need to be forthright. We no longer hide behind lies or innuendos. We tell the truth always. We don't have to lie. We just speak the truth in love. And that's going to get you far places. Because you know what happens when you start one lie. You end up making more and more lies to cover up the lie that you started with. And you get to this point, and you don't even know what lie you told. And you get so confused you can't. Or even worse, you begin to believe the lie you told in the first place that it becomes truth to you. And then you're really messed up. And you can't understand why everything's all messed up in your head. So Darius responds. Darius responds, which brings us to chapter 6. I told you we'd get through chapter 6. King Darius issued a decree and a search was made in the archives where the treasuries were stored in Babylon. And at Athbetha, in the palace that is, in the providence of Media, a scroll was found. And in it, a record was written thus. In the first year of King Cyrus, King Cyrus issued a decree concerning the house of God of Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt in the place where they offered sacrifices and let the foundations of it be firmly laid in its height 60 cubits and its width 60 cubits with three rows of heavy stones and one row of new timber. Let the expenses be paid by the king's treasury. Look what's happening. Not only did they find out that it was legal, but it found out that somebody else is paying for it too. The king is saying, we're going to pay for this. I'm going to send you all the money you need. I'm going to pay for this. This is great. This is what happens when you honor God. When you honor God, things become movable. Things become paid for. He has riches. He has, owns a thousand cattle on a hill. He owns more than you could ever think of. You can't outgive God. God always has all his riches. And I am rich in Christ. He's given me everything that I need. All the riches that I have are in Christ Jesus. And when I serve him, he naturally starts to give me the things that I need to serve him. He naturally gives us those things. Look at this building. Look around you. God gave us all these things and continues to give us things. Yes, he uses you and your tithes and your offerings. Yes, he does. But it all works. Where God guides, God provides. Amen. And he's doing that right here. 
Also, let the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple, which is in Jerusalem, and brought to Babylon to be restored, taken back to the temple, which is in Jerusalem, each to his place, and deposit them in the house of God. Now, therefore, Tatnai, govern the region beyond the river, and Bethar, Banzai, and your companions, the Persians, who are beyond the river. Keep yourselves far from there. In other words, stay away. Get away from them. Let them alone. Let them do what they want to do. Let the work of the house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build the house of God on its site. Praise God for sound thinking. See, when you follow the rules and you do things the right way, God is honored and you become blessed. They did everything right. They didn't have anything to hide. When they came to him and said, who's building it? Well, let me give you the names. Mark, it's his fault. They didn't blame somebody. They gave the names that were there. They gave them all the names. What they had to hide? Nothing. See, when you're honest before God, you are blessed. And now they're being blessed because they're doing God's work. Moreover, I issue a decree as to what you shall do for the elders of the building of the house of God. Let the cost be paid at the king's expense from taxes to the region beyond the river. This is to be given immediately to these men so that they are not hindered. And whatever they need, young bulls, rams, and lambs for burnt offerings of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the request of the priests who are in Jerusalem, let it be given to them day by day without fail, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet aroma to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the kings and his sons. He said, do all this, and they're going to pray for me and my sons. <laughs> I'm letting you do all these things. So this is a wonderful thing. Again, when God is elevated in your life, when God becomes a priority and people see that God is a priority and you're not playing games, you're not trying to connive here, do this and do that. When you're above board with people in business and things, God honors that. He honors that and things go your way because it's God's way. It's God's way. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and what? He will direct your paths. He directs them and he guides you. Also, I issue a decree that whoever alters this edict, let a timber be pulled from his house and erected and let him be hanged on it. And let his house be made a refuge heap because of this. Wow. And may the God who causes his name to dwell there destroy any king or people who put their hand to alter it or destroy this house of God, which is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, issue a decree. Let it be done diligently. Whoa. This is what happens. This is what happens when you honor God. You become honored. You become honored. Cyrus's decree is upheld. Darius finds it. He reads it. And he says, whoa, the king before me made this decree. We're going to hold on to this thing. And he sends it out. The house are going to be built. And by the way, I'm picking up the tab. I like that. I like that. I'm picking up the tab. So build it your heart's content, guy. The heavy stones, they were worried about the heavy stones. But he said, hey, these heavy stones are great. We're not going to worry about these things. The articles of silver or gold are going to be restored. All these things are going to ha be happen. You're going to do what I've called you to do. Darius says, let the work continue. Let the work. Based on the research that he did, and he found the document of King Cyrus, he commanded Tatnai to let them go. Don't go near them. Let them be. And then he makes his edict about what will happen if you bother them. If you bother them, 
you're going to get in trouble. If you hinder them, you're going to get in trouble. So here we see the wonderful hand of God upon the Jews. The wonderful hand of God, why? Because they honored God. Now, how does this convey? What, how can we apply it to our lives? Well, I've been trying to apply it. If we honor God, he will honor you. If we place God first, he will do unto you the things that are according to his word. He will never leave nor forsake you. That's a promise. And we can glean from his promise that there. You read the New Testament scriptures. You read all the wonderful things that he's done for us in Ephesians. All the wonderful things that he continues to do for us. But we need to honor him and glorify him. We don't need to shirk back and pretend he doesn't exist. We need to cry out his name. Tell people about him. We need to show his love everywhere we go. We need to honor God. Honor him and he will honor you. Honor God and he will honor you. This is a strong degree. Severe punishments. Let the work be done diligently. At the end of it all, this king, who is the mightiest empire on earth at this time, commanded that the temple be done. Commanded that the temple take care of it and that the exiles can come back. All of them come back. I like this. I like this. The temple is completed and it's finished. Verse 13, then Tatnai, governor of the region beyond the river and should you ever wonder why they have to keep repeating the names all the time? Shittar, Bonzai, and their companions diligently did according to what King Darius had sent. They better. So the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. And they built and finished it according to the commandment of God of Israel and according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and Arxerxes, king of Persia. Now the temple was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. The children of Israel and the priests and the Levites and the rest of the descendants of the captivity celebrated and dedication of this house of God with joy. And they offered sacrifices at the dedication of this house of God, 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats. Why 12? One for each tribe. Remember, there are 12 tribes of Israel, one for each tribe, according to the number of tribes of Israel. It says it right there. They assigned the priests to their divisions and the Levites to their divisions over the service of God in Jerusalem, as it is written in the book of Moses. So now they're getting back into the swing of things. Things are starting to come back to normal. Why? Because they honored God. I keep going back to that. It's so important that we honor God with our lives. It's so important that we honor him, regardless of the situation, regardless of what's happening. And then, finishing out chapter 6, they celebrated the Passover. For the first time in 70 years, they celebrated the Passover, celebrating their exit from Egypt. God miraculously brought them out from the hand of Pharaoh. They're celebrating the Passover. And the descendants of the captivity kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. This is exactly when it was supposed to be done. They did it perfectly. For the priests and the Levites had purified themselves. All of them were ritually cleaned. And they slaughtered the Passover lambs for the descendants of the captivity and for their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. The children of Israel who had returned from the captivity ate together with all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations of the land in order to seek the Lord God of Israel. And they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the house the Lord God 
of Israel. What a great story of how you see this is coming together, how they are coming together in this work. The temple is completed. They celebrate. They celebrate the Passover, a wonderful, beautiful feast that they even celebrate today. They're coming up. This is Lenten season. Passover is coming up. They will celebrate the Passover just like they did and commanded by the book of Moses in the pattern that David did it. According to the law of Moses, they slaughtered the lambs. They got everything together because they separated themselves. The scripture told them to come out from them and be separate. This is sanctification, set apart for God. They came out from the unholy nations and they set themselves apart from God. This was something that they did. This was something that they did. It was a custom, but the people sacrificed these lambs and they separated themselves. The unleavened bread, leaven always means sin. And they got rid of it. They confessed their sin to God and they were joyful. They were joy. They had joy unexpressible because of their purity and they were coming to God. When God wants something to accomplish, nothing nor anyone can thwart the plan of God. If God has called you to do something, Guarantee, number one, he will give you the strength to do it through his Holy Spirit. If he's called you to something, he will give you the strength to do it. Rely on him. Wait on him to give you that. Why? Because when God calls you to do a work, the work isn't up to us. It's up to God. God made a covenant with you on the cross of Jesus Christ by his blood. God is keeping that covenant. Are you? Are you keeping that covenant? God will never, ever go back on his covenant. He's made that covenant with you. It's God's work, and he will use whatever he can and whomever he can to accomplish it, even unsaved people. God will always accomplish what he wants to do. Why? Because he wants to show forth to the world his faithfulness. God is ever faithful. No matter what your circumstances may be, we can trust God to be faithful faithful. I love Lamentations 3, verse 23. It's a simple verse. It says, great is thy faithfulness. God is always faithful. Paul said, writing to Timothy, that God is faithful even when we are faithless, because he cannot deny himself. God will always be faithful in your lives to you. So that should stir you to want to be faithful to him, to want to listen to him and go towards him and look to him. I'm going to finish up with Psalm 89. I need to read verses 1 and 2 to you as we finish. It simply says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. And then God says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. That's you. God chose you. You didn't choose him. God chose you. I have sworn to my servant David, your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. He's established his seed through the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. He has established that and Jesus will rule forever and ever. And that shows you the faithfulness of God. You are a sure
The first thing the Israelites did when they returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple was to set up the altar and make offerings to God. How about you? When God delivers you out of difficult times, what is your first response? Do you offer up your thanks and praise and worship? Do you set up an altar to remember all that God has done? I'm not talking about stacking stones, although that's one way to remember. However you choose to do it, find a way to keep a reminder of God's faithfulness where you will see it daily. Are you in a hard time right now? Or has God recently brought you out of something difficult? Either way, we would love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at info at capewatchradio.com. We want to be praying for you. Once again, that email address is info at capewatchradio.com. You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave has been teaching his way through the book of Ezra. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Want to know more about it or come see us sometime? Check us out online at assurehoperadio.com. Regardless of where you live, you can join us for services on our live stream to Facebook or YouTube. But if you're in the area of Cape May, New Jersey, come see us. Everything you need to know is on our website. Have you been loving this series in Ezra? We sure have, and we're glad you've come to join us today. We've reached the end of our time together for now, but we'll be back right here with more from Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope.